0: Hey, it's Nate DiMeo, and while I am pulling together the next slash first season of The Memory Palace, and while you are waiting for June 21st and getting ready for a new episode every week for the whole summer, I have another high fi version of a very early Memory Palace episode from its lo-fi past. I think this is the first time I started to figure out how music was going to work in The Memory Palace. Um, that it wasn't simply going to be a bed that creates atmosphere, um, that there were ways to manipulate the music to make it serve the story better. So I have a soft spot for it. And it is also fundamentally, fact for fact, one of the most bonkers stories ever tackled in the Memory Palace. Here we go. Episode 4. Itty-bitty bombs. This is the Memory Palace. I'm Nate DeMeo. They needed a plan. The Japanese had attacked the U.S. naval base at Pearl Harbor in Honolulu. Bullets and bombs and torpedoes had slammed down out of nowhere, killing more than 2,000 Americans in less than an hour and a half. The Imperial Army had already rolled through much of northern and central China before the Communists slowed its assault by intentionally destroying dams along the Yellow River, killing thousands of Japanese soldiers, but as many as a million Chinese civilians. They were vicious, these Japs, or whatever they were called behind closed doors in cabinet meetings, or in the war planning rooms or Senate offices. They had slaughtered as many as 200,000 civilians in the Chinese capital. Who knew how long it would be before the Japanese were bombing San Diego, or Seattle, or Salem, Oregon? The Americans needed a weapon. They found a dentist. Or rather, a dentist with a weapon found them. On December 7th, 1941, that same day that we'll live in Infamy Day, Dr. Lytle Adams, a country dentist from Irwin, Pennsylvania, coming up on retirement, was in New Mexico on vacation. At dusk, in a crowd of tourists, he watched millions of bats pour out of the mouth of Carlsbad Cavern. It was incredible. And on the drive back to his hotel, still thinking about what he'd seen, he heard the news of Pearl Harbor. And he was pissed. And he got an idea, one that would punish the Japanese and win the war that was sure to follow the attacks. He had learned at the caverns that bats could carry more than their weight. Females carried their young. What if they carried tiny bombs? What if you dropped millions of bats carrying millions of tiny bombs over a Japanese city? The dentist called a friend who called a friend who somehow called Franklin Roosevelt, who loved the idea. It went like this. The bats would be placed in individual containers, which in turn would be placed inside larger containers. Each bat would be strapped with a time bomb. The containers would be dropped from a plane and would pop open mid-descent. The bats, 1,040,000 of them, would erupt out. Some would burst into flames as they fell before landing on the wooden and paper structures below. The others would scatter, finding refuge in attics and eaves and under porches like bats do, and one by one, over the course of hours or days, the bombs would go off, and fires would start, and people would be terrified because they wouldn't know if they had a bat in their house, because whoever does, and the superstitious Japs, or whatever racist thing the dentist and the president called them, would be sure that some god was punishing them, and they would surrender. The United States military worked on this idea for three years, led by the man who invented napalm. They armed Mexican free-tailed bats, they built mock Japanese cities, and they burned them down. And all of the tests suggested the dentist's idea would work, but the weaponized bats wouldn't be ready to deploy until the summer of 1945. But by then, the Americans knew that they had a different weapon capable of burning Japanese cities.